Ready to boost sales and grow your business without the BS? Welcome to the Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. We'll be sharing actionable tips across marketing, sales, and growth without the BS to help you skyrocket your business. And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. Excited to be joined by Fred Copestake today. Fred is the founder of Brindis, a sales training consultancy. Over the last 22 years, he's traveled around the world 14 times, visiting 36 countries and working with 10,000 salespeople and over 200 companies. He has taken some of the things that really make a difference in modern selling and put these in his book, Selling Through Partnership Partnering Skills. Fred, a warm welcome, sir. How are you doing? Brilliant. No, thank you. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate it. Cool, man. So looking forward to chatting today, Fred. Um, should be quite an interesting, controversial topic, I reckon. So um, we're, we're going to be chatting all through why your sales process is outdated and how we can fix it. And I know, um, speaking personally, I've um, when I first got into the world of sales, I never really had a process. So like, like many, I'm sure I was just kind of winging it seeing what opportunities came my way, doing a bit of cold calling, doing a bit of digital work, trying to generate leads here and there where I could, and just kind of going with the conversation, letting the customer drive the chats, not really knowing where I wanted to go with it, thinking that every opportunity was a deal that I could land and not really having a process to follow to be able to qualify properly, to be able to put people through a process, to know when an opportunity was good or bad. So I think this could be really useful for everyone tuning in that's perhaps not got the best process now or wants to fine tune it. Um, And I'm sure I'll, I'll learn plenty as well, Fred. So first and foremost, why are many of us still behind the times when it comes to sales, which we know is, is the lifeblood of growing a business? Um, well, sales is evolving. I mean, this, this, the same as anything evolves, sales does. Um, and so there's a number of iterations that sale has gone through. And what happens is a lot of people have tended to get stuck in something that maybe their first training was or a way that did work for them or something like that. And, and they've just not kept up with the times, basically, is the simple answer. Sure. So people are just kind of stuck with some training perhaps they had when they first started their job. Um, and we all know I've, I've been there. I've had jobs in the past where it's just kind of they stick you in your chair, stick you in front of your computer or, or maybe you don't have one or your laptop and then um, just, just get stuck in, start dialing, start phoning a data list and, and all that good stuff. So um, perhaps we could talk about um, a more of a modern approach. What is a, a modern approach that we sh- should be adapting or that you recommend anyway, Fred? Yeah, well, I mean, if I let me take it back a little bit. So if we talk through how sales has evolved and then sort of where I think we are bang on up to date now, um, yeah, maybe you or, or the, sort of the viewers, the listeners will be able to see whereabouts they are and perhaps where they can make some, some adjustments. And so if you sort of go back to the 50s, sales was very process focused, you know, because it was all about having the right steps and so knowing what you could do time and time again to be successful. And that's great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, why would you not want to do that? The 60s came along, and if you imagine what that decade was like, it was all about psychology. And so this was understanding for the buyer, how they thought, adapting personality, personality style selling. And again, you say, well, actually, that's pretty good. We'd, we want some of that, don't we? 70s, feature advantage benefit, you know, what's in it for me? And again, you'd say, yes, we want some of this stuff. 80s, close, 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 objection handling, and probably the least useful decade, but still parts we want. 90s, consultative selling. 
absolutely now this was a sea change in sales where people really learned how to question better and understand customers need but that's still 30 odd years old so if we look to what happened in the noughties it was very much more about understanding value so it's understanding the problem understanding the pain but also can i do something to add value to that move into the tens and this is almost about well yeah i get that you and your company can help me but what about you you know, are you as the salesperson demonstrating that you can tap into all this resource that you can understand what value is you can make it work for me and so then when we move into the the, the 20s so where we are now it's it's more collaborative than it's ever been it was it was, it was taking this direction anyway and then you know we're hit with pandemic we're hit with covid we're hit with people really having to work out different ways of, of operating it's all about becoming more collaborative, about co-creating, about working together, becoming more customer-centric. That, that's where the smart money's at. That, that's where the shifts are. And, and people will probably be stuck at some stage along that journey, I'd say. Yeah, so diving de- in deeper on the collaborative side of things, Fred, what does that really mean? Because I know in my mind, is, is that talking about asking good questions to your customers, so really insightful questions to show that you've done your research before you're carrying out calls um, and asking what they think when you're presenting solutions in front of them and pr- bringing new ideas to the table? Or is there a lot more to it? Or get, perhaps you can give us some examples. Well, that's a really good solid basis, Sam. If you're doing that, you are well on the way to becoming a collaborative, a very useful person for a customer to want to work with. Um, so I think really part of the sales now, it's what I say to people is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's a lot of good stuff that we've seen in those evolution of sales. We don't want to throw them away, but we just want to apply them in that way where absolutely insight is an important thing. So valuable information and using information to help people think, to help people think about, well, this is where we could really do stuff and do stuff together. If we can help people with that and then add our resource in um, and and really start to, to co-create and, and make those plans happen, that's where we really start to see collaboration become where salespeople need to be thinking. Mm, okay. And... Um... Is I guess there could be two two sides to the coin on this side. Is it also about knowing when it's perhaps the not not the best time to collaborate with a prospect or a potential customer or client, um, and then working out kind of good times to to ask decent questions, insightful questions, like we mentioned then, and when when we can have some collaboration, and also knowing when it might not make sense to to do some business together. Is that is that part of it, or are we off the mark there? No, no always part of it. I mean, if you're if you're let, let me see how to check my understanding. If you're talking about qualifying out and saying, you know what, this isn't a real opportunity. I don't think we can do anything here. We can't really help them. They don't really want help. Maybe the time isn't right. I am better using my most valuable resource, which is my time, in going somewhere else and sort of having a a better return on that than really sort of <laughs> trying to fight something that isn't going to happen. I, I guess that's always been the case in sales. That's you know, call it qualification, call it validation, call it whatever you want. <laughs> it's, it's be good at it, and really pick where you are going to dedicate your time and effort. Sure. Um, and is it all about collaboration, Fred, or should we still be trying to guide conversations and lead conversations, or should we ask be asking for our potential clients' feedback throughout calls, throughout Zoom calls, or whatever way, method we're using to communicate, perhaps face to face, if we're in other parts of the world, not the UK. Um, should we always be looking for kind of that back and forth during the conversation or should we make sure that we're also there 
as an established leader. So that looks like we know, know what we're talking about. So we're trying to guide the journey because the point I'm trying to get to is there's many different sales processes that some of our listeners might know. So whether that's yeah. the challenger sale, whether that's Sandler selling, there's there's tons and tons of process. So is there a certain one we should follow where we should be leading conversations at that front or should we, how, how should we know which one's best? All of the above. <laughs> I mean, and, and that's the skill of the modern salesperson. It's to know when to just shut up and let the person speak because you want to hear what they've got to say. But you can ask the best question in the world. If somebody really doesn't know the answer and they sort of need that seeding, they need a bit of a bit, 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 bit of a push, if you like, that would make sense to do that then. It could be that we go into full presentation mode to say, look, here is some information. This is stuff that you need to then inform the next part of the discussion that we're going to have. So it's it's not as simple as kind of get an appointment, discovery, present, close, maybe a bit of negotiation. I don't think it's as simple as that now. A good salesperson really understands what they need to be doing to get to the point of the, the outcomes where all parties are satisfied. We are creating value and we're doing, we're doing something well together. So it will take different shapes and forms at, at different parts of the process, different people, um, because we know decision-making units are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and so there's more people involved. It, it's, it's not as a, That's why process for me, just going that, 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 there, doesn't really cut it anymore. It's more kind of having a framework and adapting what you're doing to be doing the right thing at the time. <laughs> um, Interesting. Done, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, you're you're exactly right. I mean, typically when when I'm having conversations with with clients at web choice about digital marketing, perhaps we might just like you say, we might generate an appointment. A lead might come in through our website or through LinkedIn, whatever channel it is. We might set an uh, initial call, which might be a discovery call. Depending on the size of the project, we might then agree to do a presentation, and then we might look to move forward with the deal. Or if it's perhaps a slightly bigger deal, or there's other decision makers in, we might have another call to involve everyone else. Um, but are you saying that you shouldn't necessarily stick to a linear? X, Y, Z, these are the steps. Depending on how the conversation flows, you need to adapt. You might need to customize that that process. Um, I think it's useful to have an idea of what the linear process might look like. And in a in a less complex sale, it it's probably easier to stick to that. And it does give you some direction. As the sale gets more complex, as the sales gets more valuable, you know, as more moving parts to it, I think we need to be more flexible within that to make sure we're doing the right thing at the right time. And this could be that to one person you are presenting, you know, they don't know something, you've got to give them information. Someone else, you're very much asking questions. Somebody else, you're sitting down together, you're trying to make two and two equal five. Um, so it's it, it's being very adaptable, it's being very flexible to, to again, as I say, you know, to drive the outcomes, to get to the point that we want, which is all parties happy with what we've what we've done together. Cool. And I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but this is something that just came into my mind when you mentioned that when we're doing discovery calls with our clients or initial calls or assessments, whatever you want to call them, when we're having our first conversation with a prospective customer, how do we know when not to give away too much information so that we become a free consultant and they're just literally tearing our brains for all the ideas and then could do the job themselves? Or how to balance that with sounding like a professional? asking the right questions, but not giving all of our ideas away so they can go off, hire someone else, or even worse, do it themselves or get their cousin to do it. See, I probably wouldn't worry about it from that point of view. If you're giving that information, that much information that early, you're probably talking too much anyway. 
not because you're giving me all the good stuff. You could be giving me all your best stuff, but I probably don't even recognize that that's what it is. And I won't be able to do anything with it anyway. You're just giving information. Whereas what am I most interested in? I'm interested in myself end of the day. You know, everyone's interested in themselves more than anything else. So it's, I'd be wanting, I'd be probably picking up on somebody you are talking too much and not letting them talk rather than you, you could give away the family silver. That, that's that's why I think that would be the, the worst thing to do, but for a slightly different a different reason. Sure. So it's more about gauging the conversation and make sure you're you're actually listening properly, asking decent questions. And, and remember, the questions aren't for you. I suspect you can go and talk to a client and you can you can look at the website, you could look at what they do, you can look at the social media activity and think, right, I know what this guy's got to do. I could just go in and tell them. And if you, you know, come and tell me if you like. <laughs> and I'll just go, yeah, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't get it. I don't even know why you're telling me this. I'm not interested boring when you ask me questions that i start to realize that you know what maybe the website isn't performing as well as it could do and maybe i'm not having as many conversations as i should be in social media that starts to get me thinking that starts to open my mind to wanting to know what a solution is and guess what fred i can tell you how to deal with that 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 would be the more you know <laughs> smart way to operate i'd suggest yeah, no, that makes sense. And I guess we've all been guilty of um, assuming we know, like, let's say an inquiry comes in, doesn't matter which channel, whether it's through your website, through LinkedIn, through email, whatever. And we, we see the brief, we see they've, they've given us a few ideas. And I've, I've been guilty of before kind of thinking I know the solution and then perhaps offering it to them and they, they don't take it. The reason being when you, like you say, when you start asking them questions until they say it themselves, until they literally agree that this is the issue, this is the problem we're having, this is why it's causing effect on our business. Um, and this is why it's, it's affecting me personally. Until you've uncovered that and they've actually said it themselves, you can't present a solution because they haven't agreed that they actually have that issue or they want to want to fix something, right? Yeah, correct. They've just not really understood it. They've sort of inquired because they know kind of that something's not right and they need that help through the discovery and understanding. Now, there's another interest. I mean, the sales is just getting more and more complex because there's another interesting thing going on in the sort of more complex sales where there's more people involved and you might have sort of more professional buyers, they are far further down their decision-making process, down their buying process than they've ever been. And so there's a danger if we're not careful of really understanding where they are in that, that we come in and we're being all helpful and they're just like, you're telling us stuff we already know. This just isn't valuable. We've got all this. We've taken all the information. It's available out there. We've synthesized it. We've got very specific stuff we're trying to do here. And you're just not doing yourself a favor. So <laughs> we've also got to be aware for that from the kind of other end of the spectrum. So you know, WDW don't. <laughs> you're giving not enough. You're giving too much. You're not doing it quite right. We've got to gauge what that is. And if you look at going back to your very first question, look at a lot of the sales processes. It's about selling that you do to someone. Whereas what we're saying more and more now is that selling is that you do with someone. And so the focus on the, the customer, the buyer, what they're doing, how they're doing it, and even helping them to understand because they, they might not even realize that's where quite a lot of value sits. Makes sense. And on that note, Fred, what can we do to actually make sure, what are some tips that you can offer us to make sure we are becoming more collaborative, we are being more helpful to our customers, and we're utilizing partnering, partnering skills, which you talk about in your book, your podcast, um, so we can actually put some of those things into play. Yeah. So, I mean, you used the word earlier, curious, be curious. And that's always great advice to give to any salesperson. Ask questions will always be good, solid advice. 
Um, and so a lot of the things that I explained in, in sort of the evolutions of sales are still absolutely solid. Where I'm coming at it with partnering skills in particular is that PQ is sort of like the lesser known cousin, if you like, of, of IQ and EQ. And it's, it's a bunch of skills that have been identified as people who are good at partnering are strong in it. So now we don't have to be building full on partnerships. That's that's not what it's about. But if the mindset is that actually as a customer, it's kind of as though we're in, in partnership with them, even if like, the, 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 the deal, the agreement doesn't say so. If you can weave this these partnering skills into your approach and into the way you operate, that is going to make you a better salesperson. That's why I come at it sort of so so strongly, and that's what I put it into the book, because the mindset benefits, as do the behaviors, as do the, the things that are going to make a difference in this modern selling environment. Business Growth Show is sponsored by Vidyard. In today's digital world, getting the attention of key prospects can be a tricky task. Emails and phone calls are often ignored, and meeting up in person is rarely an option. And that's exactly why tools like Vidyard have become so effective. Vidyard is a free app that makes it easy to record and send custom video messages that truly stand out and generate more responses. It's a great way to introduce yourself, to showcase your personality, and to create a more personal connection from your very first outreach. You can sign up for your own free account today at vidyard.com forward slash BGS to start sending your very own video messages. That's vidyard.com forward slash BGS. The show is also sponsored by Web Choice. Are you tired of hunting for clients? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending money on marketing, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of leads and sales. Want to learn more about Web Choice's unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you? Book a free digital marketing assessment today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. And aside from, we've talked about asking great questions, we talked about listening properly. Apart from doing those things, is there any other way we can build trust as, a, as an advisor, as a sales or business professional to, to really not just come across like a, someone trying to sell our wares, but really like we are an established partner. We really know what we're talking about. And we are someone that this, this customer wants to work with, not just for now, for a one-off deal, but for, for the long term, for, for this foreseeable future. Yeah, and so trust is it's it's one of the elements of partnering skills. When when I'm going through the six, which are trust, win-win focus, interdependence, self-disclosure and feedback, comfort with change, and future orientation, I do usually begin with trust because it, it, it's key to all those relationships. And one of the things we building trust is this fantastic thing called the trust equation, put together by a guy called David Meister from uh, Harvard, who's a Harvard University professor. And it looks at the credibility that you've got. It looks at the reliability that you have. It looks at the intimacy you have with the customer. But because it's an equation, these things are all divided by your self-orientation. So if you imagine an equation, the higher your self-orientation, the more you're doing all of that good stuff, but with your own kind of benefit in mind, the less trust you will build. So the real key, the tip, the bit you're looking for is that you've got to do these things that, again, we could all imagine are going to be good to build trust, but you really have to do it with the other party's interest at heart. If you're ultimately doing it because you want to get something out of it, it shows. It won't be, you know, we hear a lot about authentic, genuine, whatever. Yeah. You've got to have the other party's interest at heart. 
if you do, well, then actually, yeah, good things will happen and you know, what goes around comes around. So yeah. that's the big tip on there. It's trying to lose that's... that self-centeredness. And that feeds straight into win-win, you know, mutually beneficial outcomes. Um, and yeah, all the elements work work really well together. <laughs> that's why PQ works. I love that. Um, and I think a lot of sales people that I've seen on LinkedIn have been talking about detaching yourself from the outcome. So I'm not sure if that's exactly on the same line, but I guess to a certain extent, because you're gearing everything you say more towards their interests, not towards, I need to hit this sales target. I need to get this deal over the line because it's nearly the end of the month. I need to pay the bills or whatever you've got on your mind because you want to get this customer over the line or this deal over the line. You really need to think, look, can we generally help them? I'm going to, I'm going to be curious. I'm actually going to ask questions that are relevant to what they're talking about. I'm not just going to shift the conversation towards can we work with you? Can we get this deal done? Can we offer you a discount to get the business? Yes. Skip down the PQ elements to future orientation, <laughs> which doesn't say, yeah, you got to get a deal done because your quarter finishes on this date. <laughs> you know, it, it's really about, yeah, look, we are, we should be in this for the long term. And actually, if I don't hit it quite now, what goes, again, longer term, it's going to be better. Mm. You know, or, oh, I could sign them up. And I had, a, I had a conversation with the sales enablement director the other day where yeah we could sign people up for a one-year deal happy days yeah smaller budget they can get that in under their spending cap bang sorted actually that's probably not good for yourself or the customer long term because they're gonna have to do another deal which they spend more money on um well you could now got to do the wholesale again rather than if you'd sold it for three years so it's easy to say when you've not got the sales target hanging over you but (laughs) that kind of that longer term focus does make sense you know future orientation and thinking about where is this ultimately going um so yeah i mean to detach yourself from the outcome i've i've always struggled with that a little bit because i i think i think it's meant people sort of just throw it out <laughs> left right and center you know, problem detach yourself from the outcome detach yourself from the outcome detach yourself. either that or add value they, they, they seem to be very common phrases on linkedin i think the origin and again you know i'm, I'm I'd be very happy if anybody listening to this can sort of set me straight on it. I think it's more about when you're prospecting, when you're cold calling, and you're, you're right. likely to get rece- rejection. And so actually, don't let that really grind you down. I think that's where it is. I hope it is, because if you're saying that actually the outcomes of what you're doing in the overall sale don't matter, that is way off the mark. So first one, not a problem. Second one, serious issue with it. <laughs> so no, someone will say, someone will say, right. you know, chatbot or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's more mistake. I think um, early sales, sales cycle, so early in the sales process, whether it's yeah. like you say, cold outreach or whether it's initial discovery calls. I think that's the the part that that I was um, referring to there. Whereas, obviously, like you say, when you're deeper into it, when you're yeah. looking to get the deal done, really understanding. Your that, that's how better. I would. I think we're on the same page with that. But yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm working with you. We've got right this project. If it don't work, it don't really matter. I don't care. I'll detach from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good luck to you. <laughs> exactly. I don't think you'd be in business too long. Um, but I no. guess if if you are genuinely interested, generally actually wanting to help the customer, it doesn't just help you to like say get the deal over then, but it helps you long term. So I suppose it, it, like we said, establishes trust. It builds up that relationship, and they know you're actually on your side. So if they want help with future projects, future products that you can upsell them future bits and pieces that you could perhaps do business on they think yeah they that person gen fred generally helped me at the start of the conversation so i'm probably gonna go back to him probably gonna work with him for for long term we've got a few other projects so it just gives you that extra extra layer really of um trust and reputation 
Yeah, and, and you know what, sometimes it's even counterintuitive in that it, it could be that, yes, there's a project, yes, you need to do that. I'm not sure we're the right to do this. Mm. We're the right people to do this and to say to say that, to say, look, but here's someone that you might want to speak to. That would be the best way for you to achieve this. That's valuable in itself because you've given advice. And actually, that's a high degree of integrity, isn't it? And, and, and yeah, that, that stuff, it sticks to memory. That People won't say, oh, well, okay, you can't help us with anything ever again then. It's actually, you were bang on honest. You didn't do business with me for wanting to do the right thing. You become the go-to person. Um, yep. So, Again, easier to say. <laughs> End of the month, target overview. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drag that business in. But longer term focus, it, it, it does better for you. Oh, definitely. It's like when I first started digital selling, digital marketing solutions. People would come to me, perhaps asking for on-site video production and all this stuff. And all we really started out doing was web design, web development, and search engine optimization. And because it was an opportunity, I thought, yeah, we can do video. We can scrabble about. We can get something together. I know Jack, the lad, who can do this. And then it ends up being a <laughs> hassle. You lose tons of money because you have to find this freelancer that can do it. You have to account manage it. You have to organize it. You have to make sure it goes smoothly. And you soon realize that if you're trying to do all these different trades under yeah. one roof, um, whereas actually doing what you specialize in, it just causes a lot less aggro. You can deliver great quality products to your customers and you're not causing yourself pain in the long run so then like you say then it bringing back to your point when someone actually asks you for something you don't do you can with integrity say look i'm afraid that's not something we do but i can point you in the direction of someone i trust that, that can probably help you out and it just again adds, adds to that trust that we've been talking about yeah no giggling because i'm also thinking you've got all this you, you, you've explained that scenario so well i'm thinking your stress levels are going through the roof yeah that's it. <laughs> and at the end it's like can i have a referral what <laughs> for real no chance mate just, just it, not just, gonna it all work. comes back to bite you doesn't it <laughs> certainly does definitely definitely had it and learned, learned from that luckily um so on that note fred what kind of mindsets and behaviors are, are going to be key to to making sure our sales process work make sure we have sales success and both both business growth success from from your side of thinking like i say you know that that's why i go so strong on these partnering skills this pq um it fits nicely with eq with iq if that is your mindset that i'm not going as partnership we're not signing a business alliance agreement here but because they're going to be taking products they're going to be taking service because we're going to be doing stuff together it is a kind of partnership i think if we think like that that should then inform the behaviors that gets you doing the right things like asking questions genuinely because you want to understand sometimes pushing a customer you mentioned challenger you know and sometimes that that kind of way of working you're doing it with the right intention you're doing it because you're trying to make a difference here whatever piece of sort of selling best practice you select you're doing it with in the right way because you're trying to do best for yourself and for the customer and for the way in which you're working together and that's what good collaborators do we're trying to make sense of something and, and work well together on it yeah i just want to test you on something fred um i oh, know we're coming up for time but i i love that what you just said there diving a bit deeper poking a bit further because for example often um i I don't know what kind of questions you get come up when you're doing your sales training or, or you're talking to potential businesses, Fred, that might want to take on your sales training. But say, for example, you're saying, look, what, what do you want to get out of this? And they might say, we want to up our sales. Do you just take that at face value? Because I know when clients talk to me, they might say, oh, we want to get more leads for our website. Um, 
obviously you need to dive a bit deeper, understand what that actually means. So how how are some ways we can do that without pissing people off too much that we're just constantly asking, why do you want to do that? What do you want to do that for? Why do you want to do that? What's that mean? What does this mean? Go from W questions to TEDs. <laughs> that's, that's my simple piece of advice. That's my advice on a tweet, if you like. Um, so W questions, you what, why, when, where, who, how. Um, now, what you're saying is you need to understand why. And five whys is a brilliant technique. You really get under the skin of something. Problem with why as a question is that people can get a bit defensive. So even though they've come for your help and I want to get more sales and you say why, they're like, well, <laughs> obvious because I do. And, and equally, if you're challenging something or someone, why do you think that's happening? Well, now you're making out that I've done a load of mistakes and what I'm doing isn't very good. And it doesn't always mean the conversation goes so well. Flip it into a TED, which is actually a directive, which is to go, tell me more about that, explain that, describe. That, again, gets people to open up in the same way as a question, but without <laughs> pissing them off and getting them, getting them wound up in the way that you, you said. So, yeah, I want to get more. I want to get more sales. OK, well, yeah, interesting <laughs> that will. But tell me more about what exactly you mean. Yeah. yeah. Describe when you say leads what those look like yeah explain your thinking behind why you're asking me that any of those ways of phrasing something it's the same thing essentially but it just comes across a lot better i think yeah so just rather than asking blunt questions asking more more so why that's important to you and why they want to get to that objective yeah so it sounds like you're trying to help them i guess rather than just questioning them it, it is, but it's just, that's just the easy way. The easy way to remember, you've got W questions, what, why, when, where, who, and how. You've got W on the end. Um, and then Ted, tell me, explain, describe. But that's the simple thing. I've kind of got written on two bits of paper that I'm making a note of to go stay in Ted mode, particularly mm. when you're probing, particularly if you're going deeper, deeper, deeper. That's good. Not heard that one before, so I like that. Awesome. Fred, look, really appreciate you coming I'm on. I'm listening show, to your next sorry to interrupt you. I'm gonna listen to your next your next set of interviews and whether you're asking to tell, explain, and describe. There you, go. <laughs> you challenge me, I'm gonna put it back a little I've bit. I've made a note of Ted. Whether I remember <laughs> that means that it's, it's as long as the acronym sticks in my head, hopefully it will. If not, You'll I'll think be, it's uh... a swearing character on the film. <laughs> <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> Probably, probably. Right, Fred, thanks very much for coming on, man. Um, do like to ask most guests, if you could pick this, just one digital marketing channel to grow a business from, what would be your channel of choice, sir? Oh, I would, I would have to say LinkedIn, I think would be the, the sensible answer. Um, I'd love to say Instagram because I'm new on there. I've got many followers. Hint, hint. Um, and it's got lots of pretty pictures. But, yeah, the sensible answer for doing what I'm doing, the, 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 the world I'm involved in, LinkedIn, is, is, is where the action's at. Yeah, it's the fans' favourite when it comes to B2B. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Insta's got better pickies at it. <laughs> oh, yeah, there, there is that. There is that. Nice, um, nice little social distraction indeed. Fred, tell us a bit more about how everyone can learn from you, a bit more about your business, um, how people can connect with you and the best way to get in touch and perhaps a bit about your book and your podcast. Sure. So I'll start at the end because that was the easiest way to remember the question. So the book is Selling Through Partnering Skills. Um, the podcast is called Exactly the Same, uh, where it explores the themes in it. So understanding how to use those elements of PQ uh, in real life. So I'll talk to sales trainers. I'll talk to sales practitioners, so sales directors, VP sales, people who are using this stuff. 
and there's lots and lots of really interesting ideas coming from that so it's not as good as this clearly i know but there's some good uh, there's some good discussion on there um linkedin is a great place to get in, get in contact with me as you know you can connect and message and stuff on there so yeah that that would be the go-to place and if you've got more questions we can we can pick it up from from that that'd be the easiest thing to to say nice one fred and thanks once again for coming on the show appreciate it no thank you for inviting me it's always a pleasure cool man if you enjoyed the show be sure to search business growth show on your podcast channel of choice be it apple podcast spotify youtube wherever the heck you get your podcast we interview two business leaders each and every week to provide you actionable tips to grow your business your sales and make best use of marketing and thanks very much for tuning in